0: Welcome everyone to another episode of the Reframable Podcast, a podcast that brings you people's stories and ideas about how we can work to reframe our relationship, not just with alcohol, but with stress, anxiety, relationships, enjoyment, and so much more. Because changing our relationship with alcohol is about so much more than changing the contents of our glass. In today's episode, we talk with Heidi Blair. Heidi is a certified professional co-active coach who has also furthered her training with an extensive mentorship program led by Marian Franklin, Master Certified Coach and author of The Heart of Laser-Focused Coaching, where she learned to readily identify a client's underlying root cause of established behaviors, patterns, and habits. She started her own Reframe journey in 2021 on the cutback track and through using the app, attending meetings and working with a coach she created a successful cutback approach which she now employs as a coaching modality for those who want to change their relationship with alcohol whether they are wanting to cut back go alcohol free or have yet to determine which track is right for them as a moderator here at reframe she leads many meetings each week where she offers a heart-based compassionate approach to coach participants who may be stuck struggling or simply in need of being seen and have reflected back to them who they truly are. She shares with us her own journey and talks about employing different approaches to cutting back alcohol in our life and how important support is on this path. My name is Kevin Bellack. I'm a certified professional recovery coach and the head of coaching at the Reframe app. This podcast is brought to you by the Reframe app. Reframe is the number one iOS app to help you cut back or quit drinking alcohol. It uses neuroscience to reframe your relationship with alcohol and unlock the healthiest, happiest you. So without any further delay, let's go chat
1: with Heidi. Welcome
0: Heidi, how's it going today?
1: I'm doing well, Kevin, how are you?
0: Good, yeah, can't complain, it's a Tuesday. Although we just got off a a reframe meeting and we were talking and somebody asked like, what day is it? And I'm like, I think it's Tuesday. And they were like, oh, as long as it's not Monday again. And I'm like, well, Monday's typically been a good day for me now and Tuesdays is my
1: bad day because I'm like, it's
0: not close enough to the weekend and it's still too early in the week. So maybe that's just me.
1: Yeah. Well, you know how I feel about Monday, Kevin.
0: I love Monday. Monday.
1: Just going to out myself. Yeah. Monday.
0: Yeah. I found out on my own journey that uh, Mondays aren't as bad as they were when I was drinking, because obviously you wake up and you have to go to work and, and deal with all that stress. But, um, But yeah, so it's definitely changed over my time here on my own personal path, but whatever, enough about Monday or Tuesday. Welcome everybody. Listen to this on Friday uh, or any other day of the week. Heidi, if you'd like to stop my rambling on the days of the week, and if you want to share a little bit about your story, uh, please feel free.
1: Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate this uh, opportunity. So I want to talk a little bit about my journey, which is a cutback journey. And I think I might be the first person sharing a cutback journey on this podcast. There we go. Okay. Yeah. So, um, a little background. Um, I was not, uh, a teenager who did any drinking or drugging, even though I was in high school in the mid to late seventies. So <laughs> I was a dork, um, for sure. Although I loved high school. I had a really good time. I just, didn't do the partying piece, right? My big sister was doing that, and uh, I just chose not to. Don't know why. College, same story. Not really my thing. Um, I was a server. I worked in restaurants and bars through college, and you know that just just wasn't a choice I made. So this is just a background to kind of fast forward to when I did start drinking in an unhealthy way, right? So I got married in my twenties. I had three children in a row, 28, 29, 31, had this uh, little instant family. Um, fast forward, uh, about 12 years later and the marriage was unhealthy. I was unhappy. And that's when I started, uh, you know, drowning my sorrows in Chardonnay, right? And it wasn't extreme at all to what people would consider to be extreme. But I started having anxiety and not from drinking, just anxiety, like in the middle of the day for no reason, driving my kids home from the pumpkin patch, just crazy anxiety. So of course I sought help for that. And they gave me pills. That's what they give you. They give you pills. Um, and the pills work for a while and the pills work, better after a while if you wash them down with Chardonnay so that's what I started doing and then I wasn't sleeping so they gave me pills for that so the short story here is that years of pills and Chardonnay trying to numb the pain and sadness of my crumbling marriage that wasn't working either anymore at a certain point and So I had a therapist, I had a psychiatrist, you know, I had all these things and none of it was working. And so this is my personal rock bottom. I woke up one morning, I got out of bed, I looked out the window at our horses and my horses and my daughter's horses playing in the snow. And it was beautiful when looking at the big red barn that I built and had all these animals in my life and what I'd always wanted since I was a little girl. And the thought inside my head was, fuck, I have to feed them. And that triggered a whole wave of emotions. Like, what in the hell is wrong with me? And then I called my therapist and I said, here's the deal. I'm just going to stop taking all these pills. None of this is working. I just want to know what it's like to do life without having all my feelings drugged out and he said well you can't do that because with what you're taking if you stop taking clonopin, for example your heart will stop i had no idea so i said well then i want to go to the hospital and i want to get detox and i want to you know he goes why don't you come in for a session i went in for a session and he said i think you should go to rehab and i said fine you know whatever works he said i think you should go to the meadows in the desert in arizona i'm like i hate the fucking desert i'm not going the desert to go to rehab and he goes well what do you mean i'm like it's not me i'll find a rehab he goes how are you going to find it i'm like on the interwebs right this is a long time ago this was 2003. so i did uh he goes well you have to go this week and i said i can't go anywhere this week he goes well if you don't go this week you won't go and i said i will go i just have to do this in my own time i have six puppies to home i have a thanksgiving dinner to cook for my family and i have christmas to get through On December 26th, I will go to rehab. He kind of wrote me off, fine. I went home. I found this amazing place called Pavilion in uh, Mill Spring, North Carolina. And I contacted them and I signed up to go on December 26th. Same kind of story on the other end. Wait a minute, you're not gonna come this week? No, I'm not coming this week. (laughs) Anyway, um, I found a doctor locally. She dosed me down off my meds, titrated me off of them slowly. And the day came, December the 26th, I went to the airport, I got on the plane, I had two up and left, one for the first flight, one for the second flight to get me to South Carolina, where they'd pick me up from the center and take me. And big snowstorm, blizzard, uh, Salt Lake City Airport, sitting on the tarmac, over an hour, missing connections, everybody's missing connections. Woman runs up to the front of the plane, I was sitting in first class, and said to the flight attendant. I think my husband's having a heart attack and this is the day after Christmas. Were there any medical personnel on board? No, there were not small plane. I thought about it and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this guy's having a panic attack. Right? So I went to the flight attendant and I said, I have an idea. And I took my two blue pills out of my purse and I walked back and I looked at him and I said, is your heart beating out of your chest? His eyes were, I said, You feels like you can't breathe. Everything's tight. I'm like, okay, you're going to put this under your tongue. And you're going to stay with me for five minutes and then you're going to feel calm you're going to be okay i think you're just having a panic attack so he did and he was fine and we carried on and the flight was diverted to cincinnati none of this matters what matters is i chose to give this guy one of my last two pills and evidently that was significant it didn't seem significant to me at all it seemed like the human thing to do got to cincinnati thought well probably my last drink tonight so I, uh, the bar was closed, it was late. And I said, is room service still open? Yes, it is. Great, bring me your nicest bottle of Chardonnay. And I went up to my room and he said he was doing the room service that night. So I went up to my room, uh, I made a couple of phone calls and he knocked at the door and it had the little towel around it and said, here you go, uh, do you want me to open it? And I said, no, no, I got it. So he left, um, I put it on the table. I took the towel off. I pulled it out and there was a bottle of Glen Ellen wine snob. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Stuffed that thing right back in the ice, put the towel over it, went to bed. Just didn't, wasn't, didn't care. Wasn't going to do that shit. So another funny thing that didn't seem significant to me at the time, it became significant the next day when they did my intake. Okay. So intake is a big deal. It takes hours, you know, long story short at the end of my amazing six weeks in rehab and yes i went for six weeks because that was an option and since i had been titrating down they knew that i wasn't going to sleep in the beginning which i didn't pretty much for 10 solid nights Mm -hmm. awake with my thoughts and wow what a trip that was anyway I went to rehab, I figured out a lot of things, and although when you leave rehab, you're not supposed to go home and make big changes in your life, my counselor, my personal therapist while I was there called me into her office, because they do family week, and your spouse comes out for the week, and then they put them through the paces, right, Mm -hmm. she called me into her office, she goes, you know that little meeting where they told you not to make any big changes, like leave your spouse and stuff like that, and I said, yeah, she goes, doesn't apply to you, okay, Thanks. Because what I needed was to get out of my very unhappy marriage. What I needed was to find who I was. And I got a glimpse of that by sitting in the front of the class and raising my hand in rehab, just like I did in high school. I was the dork again. Right. So Mm -hmm. I dorked out in rehab and reclaimed my life in 2004. Okay, Fast forward not going to go through the rest of my life because I was 47 then I'm 64 now COVID was a thing we all have talked about how COVID was a thing right COVID was a real thing for me um my th- three children were still you know travel bug people and they were like hey Columbia's open we'll go to Columbia you know all kinds of crazy external things not to mention I lost a really big job with money and benefits and all the things and when you lose a job in your 60s I got to tell you, it is not pretty because it, it's not easy out there. I don't care what anyone says. It's, a, you know, you're discriminated against with age. And I knew that. And so I was exponentially freaking out. And our community, our county in California was the first county to get the shutdown, the shelter in place order. There was no going anywhere. The impact of that, the impact of the people that I lost to COVID, the impact of... Worrying about my children getting this thing that we thought everyone was going to get and die from. I mean, that, you know, yeah. it just exponentially freaked me out and just ramped up the drinking. Like, you know, I'm not alone in this, I know. But it was funny at first because my husband and I were joking about it. And then eventually, a year later, we were vaccinated and things were getting better and whatever. It wasn't funny anymore. And the drinking was definitely. Affecting the quality of my life, I was still unemployed. Um, that was a really good reason, right? So I found Reframe. Yeah. Facebook ad, thank you, Facebook, because I'm that girl, right? <laughs> and I joined Reframe as a user, um, and that was in December of 2021. And I eventually got another job, same kind of job that I'd been having that had been stressing me out, and that wasn't good for me for the last long time period of time. But I'd been a coach for 12 years. And I had coached people, you know, as like my side hustle because it's hard to get that going in the beginning and make it make an income, right? So long story short, I lost another crappy job. I literally got the email while I was live on a reframe call and said, oh, my God, I think I'm getting fired tomorrow. And I was like, what? That was the best thing that ever happened to me. And then on another reframe call, someone said, I want – I can't remember. I think it was you, Kevin. And if this was your question, please, please tell me it was like, what is your why? And is it still valid? Or do you need to tweak it or up level it or something like that? I really yeah. think it was your meeting. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, take some time and think about it. And, you know, if it comes to you today, share it, right? So I was really mindful of that. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, Oh, damn. And I raised my hand and Kevin called on me and I started sharing it and I started, you know, breaking down in tears because I said, I am no longer going to play small in my own life. And I, I had known this Tara Moore was a coach. She wrote the book, uh, a bigger game, playing, you know, playing big in your life. And, mm-hmm. and, and she had autographed my book. She went to the same coaches training as I did. It's like, you know, I'd known this for so long, but it wasn't until that meeting that it was like, the light bulb went off. So a couple of weeks go by and I'm unemployed again. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm a coach. I'm going to email Kevin. And I emailed Kevin and said, hey, here's what I'm thinking. And he wrote back, hey, let's do a Zoom call. And that's how I landed here. That was a way longer story than I anticipated telling. <laughs>
0: uh, no, hey, it takes as long as it takes, right? Thank you for sharing that uh i I do have some questions on because you kind of you jumped right you oh
1: oh, i did jump yeah
0: and 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 feel free to share you know whatever you want but how was it between from 2004 to 2020 like how would you say alcohol showed up in your life then
1: so i did a year of sobriety which i promised myself i would do after i got Mm -hmm. home and I in my community it was small. What they recommended for me was to go to Codependence Anonymous, no shock there. Um okay. and we didn't have a coded meeting. We had AA and NA. Um and so I chose AA. Uh and you know, the pills were not necessarily narcotics, they were benzodiazepines and, you know, sleeping pills and whatever. So I you know, I'm actually allergic to narcotics and opioids. I think I said that to you, Kevin, because we yeah. share the, the back problem. Um, so I, that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I found AA um, to be the best place for me because it was what was offered. And so I went. Um, my treatment was also based on the 12 steps. So it was a natural progression. That's what mm-hmm. was going on, you know, uh, at the time. And um, I enjoyed it. Uh to the extent that it's, it's one of those places that's not for me, you know, I'm one of those people. It's not for me. I don't believe that I'm powerless. I don't believe that anyone is powerless really. And so that was a thing for me. I also don't believe that we're all the same. Right. So I ended up uh, leading an evening women's group. Um, I ended up, I never sponsored anybody, but I did mentor one woman who just happened to be older than me. And you know, when I dropped down to her, this truth, sweetie, we're not all the same. She's like, oh, yes, we are. Yes, we are. She was really emphatic about that. And then I explained to her, you know, you play the piano like Mozart. You're the only person in the room who does that. That makes you different. And somehow she could hear that, right? You know, we're all on the same journey. That part makes sense, you know, but nobody's story is the same. Nobody's background is the same. No one's way of drinking is the same. So I did my year. And then I figured out, you know, how to be a normie, which is what they called it back then. Yeah. So I just carried on normally until COVID. And things got nuts.
0: So when you joined reframe, then what was your thought? Like, okay, you got the got the Facebook ad, you clicked on it. Um, yeah. Those always, uh, those, those things always seem to show up. Like, I'm not saying that, that ad, but like things like that always seem to show up when you're, when you need it. Right. Because oh, totally. your brain's looking for it almost. Um, totally.
1: I'm sure I was Googling alcohol yeah. cessation. I'm sure that I was, you know, involved yeah. in some sort of, I love research. So I don't remember now, but I remember I see that ad and I'm like, of course I see this ad. Yeah. I'm going to click on that, you know? And, and then I, I downloaded the app. Like I, like I'm interested. This cutback thing sounds cool to me. That's what I want to do.
0: So I'm curious, like what did that, that picture in your head in, I think December of 21, right. That picture in your head of how you wanted to be. Um, what did that look like? And, and, and maybe compare that to how it is now. Right. Like, cause I, you know, I was just talking the other day about how get rid of that, that, image uh in your head about what you think your journey with anything whether it's alcohol whether it's something else like what you think your journey looks like when you start or or along the way is not what it's going to look like whenever you get to where you think you know to that place that you think you should be um it's going to change it could you could get maybe the same result um but it's it never really looks that way, the, the the way we paint it, right? Because we don't know, we have to yeah. go through it and figure it out. So I'm curious, you know, what your, what your vision was back then compared to, let's say now.
1: Yeah. So I, what I wanted back then was just to get back to what I considered homeostasis, where, you know, I was not drinking daily and over drinking and having brownouts and you know i wasn't blacking out i wasn't passing out i wasn't throwing up you know it wasn't like that but it was fuzzy and uncomfortable and the next day i you know i felt awful i mean you already have brain fog when you're in your 60s anyway why add to that nonsense you know so so what i wanted was a greater quality of life and what i wanted was a program that had the steps and the systems in place to guide me back to where I wanted to be or where I thought at the time I wanted to be. It's not where I am now, but that's cool. Cause you, during it morphs and then it's like, Oh, I want more, you know? So.
0: Does that answer your question? Well, yeah. Um, you know, what, what do you feel, I guess if you'd like to share like what your, what your journey, you know, I don't like to, for, for anyone listening, there's probably people. Uh, I know I used to do this too. Like, how much was she drinking? What, you know, what was she drinking? How much? When? All you know, there's all these questions that uh, that come up, and and I, I think the the how much is is not as relevant as I mean, it can be in certain circumstances, but because whenever we say like, oh, I was drinking ten drinks a night, or five drinks a night, or twenty drinks a night, whatever it is, like we we then immediately compare, right? I and have like, an answer.
1: Too much too
0: often yeah. too early yep love it um because right that's what's you know it, it wasn't serving you in your life right it was it, it was it you were um you hit your personal rock bottom back in the early 2000s it sounds like and you hit you you felt you, you either had you know and I, and rock bottom i just feel is is just relative to the person. Right. Um, and maybe you hit another one here and it probably looked different, Uh, but you got to that point where you're like, I, you know, I can't keep doing this. I need to do something.
1: And I knew underneath it, there was a root cause, just like my failed marriage was the root cause of the anxiety and all of that initially, you know? So I knew it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is not COVID's fault. There's something else going on. Right. And so the root cause, as it turns out, was I was playing small in my own life, that I was in a career choice that uh, I didn't choose because I wanted to do it. I chose it because it was good money. And that was my goal. And that's why one of the things that I coach on is, you know, don't work a shitty job if you don't have to, you know, get an exit strategy, get a new job. It's important you know, to do work that we love. I, since motherhood, which was a full-time stay at home job for me, mm-hmm. I have never had a cooler job than that until now. And now it's exciting and life is good. So I had a root cause again, right? Yeah. I had another yeah. thing that I had to look at examine in my life. Um, and that was it. Yeah. So I, I owe you a debt of gratitude, Kevin. I'm just going to thank you right now for that meeting.
0: Oh, and, 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 <laughs> and I love that. Cause yeah, I mean, Uh, yeah. As soon as you said, Oh, how can you tweak it? I was like, yeah, that's probably, that sounds like something I would say. Um, but no, thank you. And that's, and that's, that's an important question because that, that reason why we start out, right. Is not static. It changes. Now there, there could be that overarching reason that we do it, but there's things that get added along the way that we pick up because as we work on ourselves, as we work on this thing, then it's like, Oh yeah, I didn't realize that I felt better when I do this or don't do that, or, you know, I didn't realize this, you know, as, as, as we work on ourselves, these things come up and add those in, add those into the reasons why you're doing this thing. Um, it's important totally. to, for motivation, for, for all of that. Um, so I like the, the, so too, uh, let me see if I got this right. Too much, too often, too early. Yep. Uh, and how would you, what phrase or, well, or comparison analogy would you use? When my do husband, to yeah, well, well,
1: yeah. Oh, compared to now? Yeah. Oh. Um,
0: what would be the phrase uh, compared to that? Let's
1: see. Uh, never early, never too much, and never too often. That's there you it. Go. That's it. You know? And, you know, everybody has their own version of what a successful cutback truck looks like. Yeah. Right. Um, and we can segue into that because that's one of the things that I wanted to, to chat about with you yep. today, Kevin. Um, having been on the track and knowing a lot of the people and working with different coaches at Reframe, I might add, um, has you know given me a real depth of experience around um, other people's journeys as well as you know, root causes, as well as the need to be alcohol free, as well as the inspiration of those people who have gotten there and in a way that I can't even imagine. And the courage and the, the stick and all of the things, you know, it is just being involved in that really shaped how I downloaded the information that I was getting from the app, how I synthesized the information that I was getting during the meetings, which were so critical for me. I went to meetings every day. I started, they were half hour segments, as you recall, Kevin. So I started out on the cutback meeting. Then I'd log into the Zoom and I'd listen in um, and not participate in the alcohol-free meeting because that's how it was designed. But you learned so much being, you know, yeah. and I just, I just kept at it every day, every day, every day, and it was part of my systematic approach because I love data um, to literally measure and time and space and time the space in between the drinks, right? So. My husband and I had gotten to the ridiculous hour of 2 p.m. is okay because it's 5 o'clock in New York. That was during COVID, right? So yeah. first the first level was 3 o'clock on the timing, right? And then down to 4 and then down to 5, and then I pushed it way out until I did alcohol-free days. But a, a slow step-down progression, I knew from my personality type was the way to do it. It's the slow and steady wins the race, right? hmm I'm going to be the tortoise in this situation, right? I'm going to take it really slow and be really mindful about it. Honestly, that was a huge piece. Uh, I know all about mindfulness. I've been on the planet. I didn't realize what I was doing was mindful, but, you know, (laughs) at the time I didn't label it as such, but it was. So measuring incrementally and making those small changes each day, I kept a log on the table that I could fill out the timing and then I'd space it and then I'd, add water, um, or anything N a in between. And I made sure that I wasn't hungry. Of course, um, you know, I would have dinner at a regular dinner time. I wouldn't drink before dinner ever. That was just the first thing I put in place. Once I got it down to, to the dinner hour, 5.00 PM for, Mm -hmm. for my husband and I were earlier over here, but, but the point is it took me months to get to the point where I added in my first alcohol-free day. I did it so slowly, but it also for me was great because it was no big thing. My biggest fear was not sleeping that night because I'm one as a little kid that I have an overactive brain and sleeping was always a thing for me. And then I thought, okay, what's, cause I did 10 nights in rehab without sleeping. You know, it's like, I've been there It's pretty damn awful, but I lived. So on that first alcohol-free night when I was just so terrified to go lie in bed and think that I wasn't going to fall asleep, it's like, okay, so that's the worst thing that's going to happen here. You're not going to sleep. Yeah. But you're not going to die. You're just not going to sleep, maybe. You'll be tired tomorrow. Yeah. You'll have more coffee in the morning, right? I slept. Not well. Wasn't great. I know. But I slept, right? So that was the big First hurdle that several months leading up to the alcohol free day, and then I realized, okay, that didn't suck at all. In fact, that was kind of fun, you know, it was a challenge for me. I love a challenge, right? So I kept building upon that particular track record, and I was working with Nikita at the time. And you know, it was then two in a row, and then three in a row. And the thing that she told me, which I tell all my clients now, is If you're going to do one alcohol free day a week, make it the same day each week because that lays down a neural pathway in your brain that says it's Sunday. You don't drink on Sunday. And pretty soon it's not a thing on Sunday. And I'm here to tell you it's not a thing on Sunday because it just goes away. And it doesn't even matter if I go out on a Saturday night. There's no way I'm going to overdo it. There's no way I'm going to wake up feeling crappy. There's no way I'm going to. You know, knock them back on Sunday. It's just it's it's not a thing. But it took a long time for me to get there, and that was my particular way of doing it. And then I have used that same methodology for folks like me, whom I coach. Um, and some people they need the rigid structure, you know, whatever. Yeah. But having this, if you will, relaxed titration off of alcohol over time. I never had intense cravings. I never had the mental machinations, um, because I always made it available to me. I didn't have to take it out of the house. Again, this is just my journey. Not everyone can do this. And I fully yeah. understand that. Um, so
0: cause with that, know, I was going to ask like, yeah, on that point, like not everybody can do this. And, um, I agree picking a day you know or or days or whatever um to say like I don't drink on Sunday. Every Sunday I don't drink. Because if you don't do that you're sitting there thinking like okay, I'm going to have one alcohol free day this week. What day is it going to be? Oh, it's going to be Thursday. And then what happens when something pops up on Thursday? And well, I'll just do it on Friday. And then Friday comes and you're stressed from the week. And then you know it, it's it's all that anxiety, all that guesswork that kind of comes in with that. But my question is is like, well, what if I, what if someone invites me to brunch on Sunday? What do I do? Like, what if it's a, uh, I don't know. I, the uh, Stanley cup finals are going on right now and the NBA is, I think still going on. Right. So, um, you know, what if there's a game on Sunday and, and I, and I always drink at the game. Like, can I do that?
1: What you if know? Steffi Graf comes back and plays tennis again? I'm going to have to drink on that. No. <laughs> yeah. But no, like, I you mean, know, that, get, that's, yeah.
0: that's the, that's the thought. So, so what's some advice that you tell people like if they want to stick to that day? Um, what do you do? It's really easy.
1: It's your day. You just stick to it. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter what the event is. It doesn't, it it doesn't change anything unless on your successful cutback track, there is an event that's happening on a Sunday. Let's just say a wedding. My son happened to get married on a Sunday and it was cheaper. (laughs) It was a budget move, right? Yep. So they got married on a Sunday, right? And one of my goals early on in reframe was to be, a good mother of the groom that was like one of my very first wives and i shared that you know and they got married so i started in 2021 and they got married in or there were two going to be getting married i should say in august of 2022 but that didn't happen um because of the damn covid yeah right they you know they people were not going to come it's long doesn't matter the yep. point is ultimately they got married on a Sunday and that was at that time a day that I wasn't going to drink but I let myself have a glass of champagne as a toast when we toasted the bride and group mm-hmm. and so I broke that rule on that one Sunday but that's part of my cutback journey now is I can throw that in and it's not going to wreck it for me
0: right yeah i think it's a good tool to have in mind right that that Every, want that day a week or that that consistency I'll say I don't want to limit it to a day I don't want to you know guide people into any specific direction but having that consistency is a good thing to add in if you need it I mean it's looking at your cutback journey looking at your journey to reduce alcohol in your life uh, you know whether you're cutting back to cut it out completely or just cutting back to a certain amount or however you approach it, um, you know, knowing these tool, these levers that you can pull, uh, you know, maybe you do that in the beginning and say, okay, I get to an alcohol free day or a certain number of drinks or whatever. And then, um, after a while you can be more flexible because you're working on it, but, uh, but go ahead and continue, uh, you know, with how you approach.
1: Yeah. So things. So that, you know, systematically what I do now when I'm working with uh, a client on, on cutback is I tell them about my approach. I talk about my approach in the meetings, too, but I, you know, I go more in depth and in detail on how it works. So the way it works and is working and I have to say I have a lot of fabulous clients and many of them. Have been with me since I started coaching uh, around the first of March, so we're in June now, a couple of months, and have made amazing progress on the cutback track. You know, I coach alcohol-free people as well; they are making amazing progress too. I've got folks that aren't making amazing progress. I got all of that, but yeah. I want to address the cutback thing. So we sit down in a meeting, um, either a Zoom call or we structure some sort of way of being on the phone so that we can talk, you know, face-to-face, whatever we, we, you know, to, to set the plan initially. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's where they are and where they want to go, what their current goal is, what that looks like. And then how do we back into that? Right. And for a lot of people having an AFD in the beginning, alcohol free day is not going to fly. And I was one of them. So I have a lot of respect around that. So, you know, let's just, talk numbers here because you have to talk numbers with an individual and on the broad thing we don't need to talk about it but so i'll just make this a random example 10 drinks a night every night that's the starting point right where do you want to get to i want to be able to have one or two drinks and i i only want to really drink socially i don't want to drink at home alone okay great so 10% 10% when someone's drinking 10 drinks a night, that's a you know 70, you know, 10% is seven less. That's, that's a one a night, right? Hmm. It's not a big, it's not a big increment really. You know, it's not, it's not hard. So I start out with them. If they're not ready to go down to nine in the beginning, then we do this. We, I write out the week in my notebook, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and whatever day it is, I'm like, okay, it's Tuesday today. And i'll say to them what what do you want to do tonight well i want to have the 10. okay cool 10 is good nine is better and i do a 10 slash 9 on my note how about tomorrow Same. okay 10 is good nine is better and then eventually we get to a day where they're like okay i think you know after five or six days of doing this i can do nine good nine is good eight is better and we literally carry on and then i look at the app and i look at my phone and i have their drink totals and I check on the daily how they're doing. And some of them, you know, kind of limp along and struggle a little bit. And then we regroup and we, you know, we back up and start over and figure it out again. Or we add something different or we take something out. We talk about what might be the trigger. And if we can take out a trigger, then we're, we're going somewhere, right? And that's a big part of that, too. So that's super individual. Then I have really, really excited, ambitious clients who go literally, this is no joke, from tens and nines to sixes and fives in the span of 10 days. They just really cut back and they're doing great. And then they fast forward another month and they're doing threes and twos and then twos and ones. Then they have to go on vacation. This is, Like, how do I go on vacation? I'm going on a cruise. Okay. Let's talk about that. And then we, what's legit. How do you want to feel on vacation? How do you want to show up? If you're going with your family or you know, you're going with a group, how do you want to be, you know, is this going to be a trigger? We go through all of those things. Each individual has their own things because vacation is a trigger going to the airport trigger, you know? So we walk through all of that and set up a, typically a separate plan for vacation so that they don't come back from vacation and feel like they screwed up their whole program. They come back from vacation going, that was vacation. This is home. And that has been incredibly successful. And, you know, people are vacationing now. I've got a lot of clients doing this. They're touching base with me on the daily. I did this last night. I'm good. I, you know, I didn't know day drinking. That's the other rule. Um, if you don't want to day drink at home, I highly recommend you don't day drink on vacation. They make amazing mocktails. You know, they'll put the umbrella in. Yeah. It's all good. But I try to keep it as consistent with home as possible when it comes to the frames. Right. That's super important. You don't want to creep back up. So sounds
0: like uh you know, good advice. Like they tell you for sleep, right. To keep your bedtime yeah. and, and wake times consistent. It's totally. very, you know, because your body gets used to that and your body, it, it helps your body yeah. get used to that or, or sleep yeah. better. So same thing, keeping those okay. time frames consistent. So you're not all over the place and you come home and you're like, okay, it's, it's two o'clock and this is, <laughs> this is what I've been doing for the last seven days. Yeah. Um Yeah.
1: Yeah that's just, you know, it is like sleep hygiene. It's the same thing. It's, it's keeping it real, you know, getting the adequate and, and, you know, and you know, we all know that if you have one at noon, you're never going to make your number last until into the evening on a vacation. You're just like, that's not going to happen. You know, that that's so, yeah. And, and so that, you know, part of it and then the buy-in, you know, and then Let's face it, not everybody's buy-in is hundred percent when you first yeah. start talking about the plan. Right. So there's some flailing around. There's some slips. There's some getting mad at themselves and, and all of that stuff. And I'm like, yep, I get it. But what's going to serve you most, what's going to serve you now is reassessing, reevaluating, relooking at root causes, triggers, um, urge surfing a craving like, is so important. You know, I played that damn numbers game, Kevin. (laughs) So addictively, I got to add, because it it was a challenge. 2048? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I had to break up with that game eventually, because it was, that was a challenge. But um, anyway, but that was how I got from two to three, from three to four, from four to five, you know. And uh, it, it was the one thing that I did. And I also kept it to one thing. I know a lot of people do a lot of things to get through that hour of the day or go for a walk or go exercise or whatever. But for me, consistency is key uh, for me to repeat behaviors over and over and over again. Um, and I think it's just like going to school. If I pay attention in class, if I take notes, if I read by notes, and if I study for the test, I will pass the test.
0: So with consistency, um, yeah, I was curious, I was going to ask this before, but, uh, you know, pushing that back from on your own journey from, from two to three, from three to four, like, what, what did you do? You know, (laughs) did you just play 2048 or, you know, what tools did you, uh, use to pushback and, you know, what worked, what helped you, uh, again, yeah. knowing that everybody is different as far as what works and what's, what they want to do, what that, what, you know, kind of, uh, resonates with them and all that.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. So I used 2048 when it got really hard. That's yeah. when I, I busted out the 20, it took my mind to a, another place because it yeah. was challenging and I needed something difficult to focus on. Right. Yeah. And so I, watched the I did
0: I needed to distract yeah, no. myself and I Yeah, watch the office. Yeah, I remember you I, yeah. I did that.
1: I remember you saying that. Yeah. Um so I did useful things. I did simple things. Laundry, dishes, uh, you know, I I had another dog at the time, walking the dog. Um, you know, I did all of those things. Um, I Did you did plan those
0: tasks stuff. at that time? Did you save them for that or or do you just you you had enough to oh. do that you could always just do it
1: no no i so i my hours of effectiveness are in the morning i'm smart in the morning i've told you this kevin i'm not very yeah. smart after two in the afternoon i'm just not so i wake up at four in the morning i'm on fire at five i had six thirty a.m wake up reframe this morning all good for me so i always push those tasks to the end of the day because i don't need to use my brain for them i can fold laundry without being smart right doesn't matter yeah So it was a fallow period in my day. So if that is a creative period in your day and you are a creative who drinks through the creative process, that is tricky. That is a very tricky, it's a very different scenario. I'm not going to go into all the nuances right now, but for me, that's my fallow period of the day. So it also made it easier to drink because I never – Ever drank to get anything done ever? I didn't drink to study. I didn't drink to do a project. I am a writer. I didn't drink to write. I couldn't do those things if I were drinking, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, and I think I left out a very important thing about my journey. The very first thing I gave up when I started my cutback journey on Reframe was weed, because I'm a California girl. We smoke weed. I was smoking weed for decades, right? But I realized early on in Reframe that smoking weed was a trigger, right? It made me want to drink more. So yeah. on one given day, early in January of 2022, I made the big decision to quit smoking weed. And everyone was jaw-dropped, like, you, you don't smoke weed? And I haven't smoked weed in a year. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> So it's been a year and a half now, and uh, I just gave it up. And it was the smartest thing I ever did because that also made me dumb you know, I don't need anything to make me dumb. So yeah. that's has Anyway, back to this fallow period, it's easier for someone who doesn't need to get things done to drink during their fallow period, if they're wanting to be fallow, which I was. And it's harder for people to give up drinking during their creative time and their working time, if that's how they you know, because then, you know, I've got you know, one person who's like, I, my, my creative juices are on fire since I cut back and you know put in these long stretches of of alcohol-free days. I, I'm just writing like it's it's incredible. Opposite experience for someone who's gone a very prolonged period of time alcohol-free can't find that writing spark. Can't you know? Doesn't mean you change your journey. It means it's going to come back. It's just not there yet. You just keep. Yeah working on what you're working on. So that's how I got through that, Kevin. I, I did useful things. And when it got really rough, I played that silly game until I didn't need it anymore until it was a pattern that I was talking about before I had this new way of not drinking. And I had this new way around mindfully drinking that came about that felt familiar to me as the years before COVID, you know, that felt comfortable, that felt safe, yeah. that felt doable. So,
0: yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's the, uh, um, especially too, about like the creative process, that example, right? Like we have to basically solve for different things. I'm, I'm not gonna say problems, but you know, it could, you could frame it that way, but we have to solve for how our lives are structured, right? Um, because if, we, if we're trying to change something about it, like, okay, well, if I always write in the afternoon, if I'm a writer and I always write in the afternoon, I always start drinking then. Okay. Well, how can you change that? How can you fix that? Um, and you know, I could sit here and say, well, we'll just write in the morning. But if you're like, no, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's solving for that and thinking through ways to do it. What were you going to say
1: there? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, because I know from real life experience, I have a girlfriend who is a writer. She's also a night owl, but morning pages, the artist's way, you get up and that's the first thing you do. You do three pages of free writing before you do anything. You can start the coffee. You can have a cup. You can zip off the coffee, but you have to get up and do that. And she trained herself when she was finishing her first book to get up at five o'clock in the morning, press the button on the coffee and that got her out of the block, and you don't write about what your story is about or what your, you know, her case it was a memoir. You write about whatever's in present in your mind, and you just get that out on paper. So for creatives in particular, writers, you know, yeah, try it, change it up. Don't, yeah. you know, need to drink in the afternoon to write. Get up in the morning, read the book, and do it differently. That's what reframes all about. Like, yeah. learn about yourself and figure out how to do it differently, whatever that means.
0: Yeah. Cause it's not going to that first time you wake up and you do that when you've never done it before, it is not going to feel good. It's not going to feel no. right. No. Right. No. But that doesn't mean that it's not going to work eventually, or that doesn't mean that it's not helpful. You know? So I think there's that, there's that thing that we, we try and change, but it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and it's, and we kind of sometimes have a tendency to, I know I did to to write it off and be like, no, that's not going to work. Like I can't do that, um, and, and I just give something up because it didn't feel right. But it doesn't feel right for a reason because we're used to doing it, you know, one way. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's hard. Growing yeah. pains, man. It's you gotta. Yeah, you gotta. There's no way around it,
0: right? You have to work mm-hmm. through that. Um, unfortunately, but but our brains are are efficient machines, right? They they want to create those neural pathways that, hey, this is how we do it. And this is how we've always done it. And, and this feels right. Exactly. So to change that, it takes laying down new pathways repeatedly over and over again, You know, maybe not for the same. If you did that for 20 years, it's not going to necessarily take another 20 years to change, but it's going to take some no. time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that is the thing. Time is on our side, right? You know, we if we set out on a journey and we know we have to be alcohol free and we stop and start and have several day ones and day eights and day 27s and day whatever's, you know, it it is not the end of you being able to achieve your goal of alcohol free. It is always the beginning of the part of you that's going to have this be successful. Right. And it is so possible to do this with the support of the reframe community. I don't believe is nearly as possible, if at all possible to do this on your own, right? And that was one of the things that, you know, I wanted to talk about today because the community support that I had, the coaches that I had, the different perspectives, Of the different coaches, we didn't have as many coaches back then, but it was so cool to go to all the different meetings because they all had different stories, different perspectives. Right. And the meetings were tiny, like it was a big meeting if there were 40 people, you know, in the beginning, that was a big meeting. And now we have this greater community and it's morphed into its own essence, if you will, of how people are coming to these meetings, realizing the incredible safe space and support to drop down your truth, right? Like, to be able to do that, the opportunity to listen to how other people have done it, to their story, to what has happened, um, and have that available, is so mind expanding and at the same time, so comforting. And when people have been on the app for a year and this has happened this week and they're like, I don't know what, why I've been here a year and I just started coming to meetings. These meetings are amazing and it's yeah. like game changer. Right. Yeah. And I went to the meetings from the get go. It was one of the things I was the best at. And I think it jump-started me in a way that I wouldn't have gotten if I just had gotten scholarly and started doing all the reading and, you know, bought all the books and, you know, all those things, I, you know, I, I really focused on how others were doing it. I really focused on the variations and the similarities. And I really synthesized that material um, for the better part of a year before I really felt solid enough to reach out to you, Kevin, and say, hey, I think I can do this, right? Yeah. And so That part of it, the community um, and what we shared this morning, because I was I the topic for this morning was um, what are your or any uh, unexpected gifts of being on Reframe? And there were so many beautiful words. And I have a little bit written down here. I'm going to read from this list. This one is one of my favorites. Trusting that I know who I am. Trusting myself again. You know, this just kept coming up and it was so cool. Peace, just calm peace. You know, life is so not crazy anymore. Like that, that was a, a reoccurring theme. Purpose. Purpose came up and I raised my hand in my little Hollywood Square because. Boy, did it give me purpose. Yeah. Same. Purpose. Uh, learning, all the learning, you know, yeah. not just the cool science and everything, but all the other extraneous good stuff learning. And then this was my favorite one when it came up, and it was learning what it is to be non judgmental. Being mm-hmm. in this community is learning what it is to be non judgmental. And I just said, Oh my God, this is the Gandhi moment. You guys, the Gandhi moment, be the change you want to see in the world. And what I segued from was a woman saying, can you imagine what it would be like if the world was like what it's like to be in a reframe community meeting? Right. Incredible stuff. Like, it is otherworldly. I know that sounds really hokey-woky, but it, but it is like, you know, it. There's so much peace and harmony, and there's so much goodness. And even when someone's sharing something hard and, you know, horrific, and and you know, it's not all like that. Obviously, there are days that are bad and hard, and you know, I cry in meetings, whether I'm the moderator or not. You know, things hit us, and and life gets shitty and goes sideways, right? Yeah. but we can feel safe there and i think that's huge and i know that changed my world completely really yeah so
0: those are amazing um and and you don't find that right when you're doing it on your own when you're yeah. just gritting through it and and doing that that's where having that community having those you know what whatever that looks like to you right yeah. whether you know because there's so many There's so many different communities, programs, all that stuff out there. And it's about finding that one that works for you, but also like, you know, how can connecting with other people that came up today in my meeting, um, you know, connecting connection is so helpful in times of stress and so helpful in times when you're struggling, when we isolate, that's obviously when things like. Alcohol can be that thing that helps us in that isolation until it doesn't, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, because, you know, I always joke that my meetings were audiobooks because uh, I didn't have <laughs> Reframe when I started. Uh, my connection was with a therapist. I tried for so long to change on my own, and I needed, I, I knew I needed some sort of connection uh, to somebody. And, you know, that's, that's how it came. And and it worked for me, right? I mean, I could have done that and been like, well, no, this person's awful. Um, She's not, I still talk to her very often. Um, You know, and and that works for me. But uh, yeah, hearing other people's stories in just podcasts and audiobooks and in that connection, but you know, doing it live or doing it in a in a forum or on social media and, and having that where you can support someone else and and while supporting yourself, you know, is huge. Uh, it's a, it's a invaluable part of the journey. And, and, and sometimes it's a lot of, you know, what a lot of people are missing. Um, I know
1: Absolutely. I was. Yeah. And um, people don't even realize it until all of a sudden they're like, okay, this, now this suddenly like, you know, clicked. Right. And since I did it from the beginning, I didn't know any differently, but those people that are now coming in and saying, I just found these meetings and decided to check it out. And it's like game on. And then from that, a lot of people come into meetings, then they get a coach, they take it to the next level. They start, you know, double downing on what they're working on with true accountability. They get into groups if they're not coaching, but they get into small accountability groups, whatever that is. It's bigger than you. It's more than you. Right. And, you know, on our best day, we might not need a ton of support, right? But every day is not our best day. Life happens, right? Yeah. So the consistency of the support, the continuity of the support is huge, and I just know that from touching base with my clients on a regular basis. Whether I just send them a voice memo, you know, after I look at their uh, at their you know their drink log, you know, and those are for people obviously on the cutback track, and 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 sometimes my people on the alcohol free track log yeah. a drink or two, and then. And then we talk about it, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the other thing. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Cause just because so you're on the just, alcohol-free oh. track doesn't mean that you're alcohol-free, right? That, that could, that's what you're working towards. Yeah. Um, and when you're on right. the cutback track, that doesn't mean you're cutting back to keep it in your life either. That could mean cutting back to quit. Uh, so, you know, it's kind yep. of, it could, it could mean a lot of different things. It just matters. What does it mean to you and which you know, which makes sense for you, uh, exactly. you know, choose accordingly. Right. Um, exactly
1: yeah and the organic nature uh for folks on the cutback track of adding multiple alcohol-free days has led to all these cool outcomes like i just randomly decided to go alcohol-free 57 days ago and here i am that's a real number that came out in in a meeting right um i decided you know boundaries weren't good for me for my personality. So when I decided to do dry ish January, I you know, I gave myself the freedom and space to do it one day at a time and see how far I got. And I had a group, my hubs, my bestie and my hubby's bestie. The four of us were all doing it together. My bestie dropped out on day 3. My husband dropped out on day five. My husband's bestie and I were together for two solid weeks. Then he bailed and I was on my own. (laughs) But it was fine because I had my accountability people. I had my group. I had that going for me, right? And so it it doesn't matter what others are doing around you. You can always find support here at Reframe.
0: Yeah. It's solid. yeah. The dry ish. Now, now, now it's called damp, right? Damp January at or
1: not my word.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I it, it, It's funny. I've embraced it at this point, but cause I don't think yeah. it's going anywhere, but yeah, that's the, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's not a dry January or, or a dry month. Right. It's a, it's a damp right. month and that's, yeah. you know, and there's value in that though. Right. Because sure. you just, you just said it. And, and it's, I think recognizing that uh, obviously, progress over perfection and all that doesn't, you know, there's that obvious piece of anything that we do in life. Um totally. But why, you know, it, it's because I would do that. Like, I would say, oh, I'm doing dry January or I'm doing sober October or whatever. And I would drink four days in and then be like, well, months over. Right. But if I would have approached it like, OK, the month isn't over. Like okay, I, I had a drink or I did whatever on on that day. I can still come back tomorrow. Um, and if you're if you're doing a damp or a dry-ish or you know whatever, like there's no need to fall off, right? It's just keep working on it and focusing on progress. Uh, and yeah. just like you said about vacation, whenever you know you have people who uh, obviously go on vacation and, and it's different than home. But how does it compare to previous vacations? You know, oh, yeah. you drank six or seven. What would you have drank before? Oh, 14? Like, yeah, you know, look at the progress there yeah. that that you're making. Now, don't beat yourself up because you were drinking two or three at home and now you're drinking six or seven. Make that same comparison apples to apples.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it it, you know, it is working. I'm watching it on the daily work with the clients that I'm coaching. And it's so inspirational. It's another thing, you know, and then they get to this point and then they want to up level. They're like, all right. So one of my clients was like, I'm not going to drink on the same, I'm going to have the same AFD on vacation. A lot of them give up the AFD just, you know, cause they want to like feel into the vacation and be organic and I'm fine with that. But those that are like, Oh yeah, no, I, you know, I'm, I'm sticking with my Sunday, Monday, even though that's two days of my five day vacation and And what's really cool is like, you can have a really good time without drinking. It's so much fun. Yep. You know, when you you have that first experience of really going somewhere and enjoying it and knowing that you can have a good time, uh, like at a wedding, like I can sit at a bar and order food and watch sports on TV and I don't have to have a drink. I'm not triggered. I'm lucky that way. I'm not saying that's for everyone. Uh, But, you know, when you can start doing these things out in the world, um, that used to be hard or, you know, whatever, but you've figured out how to grow that muscle, how to make that not a trigger and get past that. Um, it's a milestone, right? It's, you know, it's, it's success. So everybody's path is different. Everyone's definition of success is different. And, and we honor that here. And that's what I love about, being here and, and being with people here that I can give all of that to when I'm coaching them. It's like, you get to do you. That's my yeah. favorite thing to say. You do you. Yeah. Right. And in about eight minutes, I'll be starting a meeting where I'll probably say that once or twice.
0: <laughs> that's a good, uh, good reminder for me. Thank you. Um, and, and, and you know, I, I think that's important too, to challenge yourself, right. To, to say, you know what, I'm on vacation. I'm going to keep that alcohol free day that I'm doing. Because see what it's like, but don't look at it as like you're depriving yourself or or I'm going to go to this concert. I'm not going to drink. You know, don't look at it as depriving yourself. Flip it. Like, what are you gaining by doing it? You're going to feel better tomorrow on your day off or day on vacation. You're going to remember the music more. You're not going to stand in line for the bathroom as much. You're, you know, all those things. Like, what are you gaining from doing that and, and challenging yourself? just to show yourself that you can do it too. Yeah. Um, experience it, experience things in a different way than you always have.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it carries over. It, this is one of my favorite stories. I had one client that just came back from vacation and said, A, this is the first time I've ever lost weight on a vacation. B, I didn't go over my number. I didn't up, you know, I didn't drink earlier. I didn't do anything other than what I would have done at home. And I feel amazing. And it carried over into this person's uh, behavior around buffets, free food, essentially. You know, we yeah. all know that free is a trigger, open bar trigger, you know, all those things, right? Yeah. And in this case, it was an all-inclusive, right? So didn't do that either. So yeah. stuck to the same exercise routine as home, stuck to the same drink routine as home, stuck to the same eating as home and came home after a very long vacation having lost some weight. Yeah. It's one of my favorite news Win,
0: stories. win, win. Yeah, that's awesome. Right? And it's like recognizing that that person didn't just start, you know, and no. some people listening like, well, I can't do that. I don't feel that. Like, you know, that person just worked on themselves and, and got yeah. to the point where, they were able to put that together. So if you're not there yet, don't feel discouraged, you no. know, or that it's just, it's working on something and being honest with yourself as far as what your journey looks like and reevaluating yes. it along the way. Um, yes. I know, I know you mentioned to, to sort of wrap up cause I know you, I know you got to go. So, you know, I know you mentioned like measure timing and, and space them out. I know that was a, uh, a tip for that. But you know, is there anything else you'd like to leave uh, for people as far as how to approach their cutback journey uh, or their journey period? Because there's overlap, right? I mean, between yeah. anyone's journey.
1: Yeah. I like what you just said too, Kevin, because in the beginning, I decided to do diet, exercise, and cutback all at the same time. And that was hard. And yeah. Nikita's like, let me know how that works out for you. Yeah. Yep. So Kevin's absolutely right. You guys... Start with your mindful drinking journey. Start with your alcohol-free journey, if that's what you've chosen. Start with your cutback journey, if that's what you've chosen. The mindfulness piece is huge. We use the word all the time in meetings. It bleeds out into the rest of your life in a really good way, right? And then you can add things in. And adding things in is the reward for cutting things back or cutting alcohol out, whatever that is for you. So you feel good enough to add in a little exercise, you feel good, because you're already naturally losing a little weight, because you're not drinking as much or you're not drinking at all, right. And then, you know, you look at your nutrition, like, oh, you know what, I, you know, I can add in more fruits and vegetables. It's like the adding in of the healthy things is a direct result of the taking out Of the unhealthy habits Uh, you know it correlates so beautifully so yeah measuring finding someone with whom you can be accountable when people aren't ready to share their what they've chosen with their spouse or partner or besties yet that part is hard in the beginning find those people here that will help you become successful eventually if you can share that with the people close to you that's another layer um, that beca- can become really supportive. It can also become unsupportive. That can be the case too yeah. um, with your people. They're not, they want the old you back, right? So you just hang out with us until you get yeah. more comfortable doing what yeah. you're doing. And that, you know, becomes less of a factor. There's so much, Kevin. We can oh, talk yes. for another half an hour about this, but join a meeting believe... to find out. <laughs> join the meeting and find out. No, I really appreciate you um, making this time for me to to share. I yeah. hope that what no, I I've said here you. will help.
0: Yeah, someone. no, I appreciate what, what you've shared and, and and how you've uh given this advice and and just again, everyone's different, right? So, giving people ideas to find their own journey um and to work on that. So, thank you very much for that, Heidi. Um, if you like to share, you know where people can find you. If it's just Reframe or anywhere else. Please
1: uh, feel free. to Well, yeah, you can know. find me at Reframe. I'm um, I'm getting better about leveling up my social media. I do have uh, an Instagram account. It's it's new to me and it's not very. There's not a lot going on there yet, but it's called. You're gonna love this. Live more, drink less. So I'm at Live More, Drink Less on Instagram. Love and, it. And yeah, and and it reframe all the time. So that's where you can find me. I've written a couple of chapters in women's empowerment books. If you're interested in those, hit me up. Um, One of them talks a little bit about my rehab, so that's kind of fun too. A piece of my story in a a book.
0: (laughs) Awesome. That's exciting. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you again soon.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Have a good rest of your day.
0: You too.